This is recording number 10946 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 9, 2011. This is the 24th message in the series titled, Doctor's Gospel. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Surrender or Defiance. Chapter 20, and in just a minute, we'll begin reading at verse 9. Today, we're going to drop into chapter 20 and uh, take a look at a parable that Jesus told and then some comments uh, that he, he makes in response to uh, the response of, his, of some of his audience for this parable. And I, I've said this before, but I just want to say again that parables are not riddles. Sometimes people get those confused as though Jesus were trying to confuse truth or somehow hide it or make it difficult that you had to work for understanding truth. And that's exactly the opposite of the intent of a parable. A parable is... is uh, a story about familiar things that help build, helps to build a bridge of understanding from one thing you know to something you don't yet know. And so Jesus uh, is uh, speaking to a crowd of people and he tells them a story that uh, illustrates something he wants for them to understand about God. Verse 9. Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers. And a vine dresser is just another word for farmer. So, the, but these are, so these are tenant farmers. The owner of the vineyard has leased his vineyard to, and uh, probably broken up into different sections, to a number of, of uh, vine dressers or tenant farmers. And this man who owns the vineyard and planted it and leased it to vine dressers went into a far country for a long time. Now, at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they may give, might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard, which is what would be expected. This is how payment was made. Um, and, and it's probably, well, whether it is that he expected to get actually some of the grapes or some of the wine, uh, or, the, or some of the uh, uh, income that was produced by the grapes or the wine. It's not clear, but it, it, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same. The owner is expecting to uh, receive some form of payment for the use of his property. It doesn't mean these, that, they, that his, his intention was that the tenant farmers don't also make a good living. So I want to make that clear. Now, at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him, beat the servant that was sent, and sent him away empty-handed. Remember, this is a story that's being told. Again, he, the owner, sent another servant, and they, the tenant farmers, beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third. Now, I don't know about you, but I think after one, I would have been uh, uh, doing something a little different. 
But this is the third time around now. And again he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, the son of the owner of the vineyard, they reasoned among themselves saying, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, so in the story now, Jesus is asking, the story has concluded, now he's going to ask a, a question. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them, to the, to the tenant farmers? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Now, those who were listening, when they heard it, they responded, certainly not. And this is a very strong, in the original language, this is a very, um, very strong response. It's like, no way. That'll never happen. Why? Because they, they understood what this story was about. He was talking about the Jewish uh, people, and particularly the religious leaders among the Jews. And they knew this. Jesus was saying, uh, he was putting the Heavenly Father in the role of the one who owns the vineyard. And he said he's planted it that belongs to him. And he's leased it, only leased it to tenant farmers for their benefit. And yet he intended to be engaged. It wasn't like, you know, God uh, created the vineyard, turned it over to the vine dressers and then just walked away and had no more to do with it. He intended to be engaged with them. But every attempt of his to engage properly and, and uh, as would be expected with the tenant farmers, they, they not only rebuff, but they are more severe than that. They beat the servants that he sends and sends them away. And that's a picture of the prophets. All you got to do is spend a little time in the Old Testament to see this story repeated over and over and over again. Where God would send a prophet to say, hey, do you realize this belongs to God? You belong to God. And you have drifted far from Him and in fact are so intent on being your own, um, being your, your own sovereign that you have, you've just drifted so far in that direction you have come to serve false gods. I mean, the epitome of the people of Israel in their turning away from the rule of God was that they had come to take on the disgusting practice of the uh, idolatrous people that lived around them of sacrificing their kids. That's how bad it had gotten. But all along the journey from those initial stages of sort of being fat and happy and turning away from the blessing of God as though, or the presence of God as though the fat and happiness was purchased by themselves or acquired on their own. Those initial stages of turning away from God from there all the way to that point of where they have become so disgustingly idolatrous that they're actually murdering their own children and sacrifice to false gods. All along that path, the Lord had been sending his servants, his prophets to say, hey, turn back to me, turn back to me. It's not too late. 
But there does come a time, doesn't there? When something has to be done. And the patience of our God is so manifest in this story. But it comes to the point where he says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. Maybe they'll listen to him. But they don't. And so the people, the people that are hearing this, they get it. They understand. And, and when he says, so the, so the master of the vineyard is going to, the owner of the vineyard is going to come and he's going to do away with these vine dressers and he's going to take this vineyard and give it to someone else. When he says that, they know he means to the Gentiles, to everybody else. Because Israel was only, the, the people of, of Israel, the Jewish people, were only supposed to be a conduit of God's blessing to the whole world. It was never supposed to be self-absorbed. And when they fail to do that, God says, okay, there's going to be a point when I'm going to take this from you, I'm going to give it to someone else, and then they say, no way, that will never happen. And Jesus says, oh, you think not, huh? Verse 17, what then is this that is written? And he quotes from Psalm 118 verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's switching metaphors now from from vineyard to building. And um, he says that there's been a stone that the builders have rejected. Just like the sun that the vine dressers have rejected. But he says, "Listen, listen guys. The Bible, your Bible, your scriptures, Psalms, your, your uh, uh, very precious Psalms. 118, 22 says that the stone that is rejected becomes the chief cornerstone. The one, and, and you know, a cor- there's some debate about what is meant by a cornerstone. Is the cornerstone the thing that sits at the corner of the foundation and the building is built from there? I mean, it establishes... Two, two of the walls of the building, the dimensions or the directions of the two, and then everything else is squared up around that. It's the foundation stone. Is, is that it? Or is that the capstone of an arch uh, that keeps everything together? Either way, it is the, the most important uh, stone in the building. And he says that, look, the one you've rejected, he is the chief cornerstone. And whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But on whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Kind of sounds like you lose either way, doesn't it? We're going to talk a little bit about that, so don't get ahead of me. But let's just make a few comments before we wrap this up and go home today. First of all, I want you to see that the vineyard has an owner. Now, this is, this is being spoken to. This parable was absolutely directed to the people of Israel, but it's in the Bible because God meant it for us too. So, you know, it's easy for us to sort of point fingers at them, and they have a pretty serious track record in the scriptures of, of ignoring God. But listen, so do we. And maybe it goes without saying, but I don't know. I think sometimes we have to just... Bluntly face the things that we tend to forget. This world that we live in. My life. Your life. Everything about our lives. Is owned by somebody else. The vineyard has an owner. 
This week, the um, Nobel, many of the Nobel Prizes were given out. How many saw that on the news? Just me? I'm the only one who watches the news. Okay, well, that's all right. I'll tell you. There, this week, the Nobel Peace Prizes were given out, or Nobel Prizes were given out, and the one for physics uh, went to a group of men who, um, you know, and I'm no scientist, so I, forgive me if I don't get this, you know, 100% technically right, but they were awarded the prize for the discovery of the accelerating expansion of the universe. Most of you know the, the, the theory of, you know, the Big Bang. And that at some point, you know, in, in uh, unknown history, that there was a bang that, that launched the universe and everything has been, mo- everything has been moving out from that initial, and nobody can... In, apart from our, our faith in God, you cannot define or describe what, that, what was before the Big Bang. But we at least know that there was a point in time and a, and a point in space where everything began to explode out from that. And so these guys figured out a way to measure the expansion of the universe. In other words, the space between the heavenly bodies, the celestial you know, galaxies and stars and planets and comets and everything that's out there. You know, the, the space between them is expanding as everything moves out from that original uh, Big Bang point. Right? And so these guys were able to figure out how to... Uh, measure the expansion of the universe and by doing so they've been able to, dis- to determine that that expansion is happening uh, increasingly more rap. well that's not the right way to say it. more rapidly let's just put it that way so it's accelerating but I want you to think for a few minutes with me about the vastness of this universe when I say the owner of the, there is an owner of this vineyard, the vineyard has an owner. It is all encompassing. His rule and domain is over all that's out there. You know, these same guys that received the, the Nobel Prize, um, they were talking about something that no one understands called dark energy. Nobody understands it. And in fact, it's that term, dark energy, is just a placeholder. (laughs) Because we don't know what it is. But it is the thing that is causing, at least in in every model and every um, uh, schematic for what is going on in this universe, that unknown thing is what is causing the expansion of the universe and it, and it actually is more than that. It is 70% of the stuff in this universe. And listen, the universe is, I heard one of these scientists, Nobel Prize winning scientists say this. He said, the universe is infinite in every direction. It's infinite in that 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 direction. In fact, it's probably inf- infinite. So we, we, know, we know height, um, width, and depth. We have three dimensions of physical things. There's a fourth dimension of time. Right? But he said, it's probably the, the, um, 
the uh, universe is probably infinite in dimensions we don't know. But he said this, he said 70% of the stuff in this universe is something we have no understanding of whatsoever. Dark energy. But we're patting ourselves on the back and handing out prizes because we can at least determine that it's the, the universe is expanding. Listen, the vineyard has an owner. And he hasn't wound this universe up like some clock and set it on a shelf somewhere and gone off and left it. He wants to be engaged with us. The story that Jesus told about him sending the, the servants to engage with the tenant farmers again and again and again. This is what our God is after. Relationship with us. Another thing I want you to see from this passage that we've looked at is not only does the owner have a vineyard. I mean, the vineyard has an owner. <laughs> but uh, we like... Uh, we act like it's ours, like we're the owner, don't we? We forget. And we'll say things like, well, that's my car out there in the lot. It's my career, my marriage, my kids, my money, my future, my retirement, my life. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? And that's what was going on with these, these tenant farmers. They wanted to own what was not theirs. They wanted to somehow cut God out of the picture. But that course, that road, will lead you to conflict with Christ. That's what happened with the people in the story. Ultimately, they had to... They had to uh, reject. It led them to rejecting the Son. This is a dangerous path to be on. So if, if any of that sounds familiar to you, let me, let me underscore the warning of what Jesus was saying in this parable that's leading you to a place you don't want to go. Because Jesus is the cornerstone. Nothing you attempt to build in this life on any other foundation will survive, will work. It won't work. If you try to build your marriage on some other foundation, many of you have figured out it won't work. If you try to build your career on some other foundation than Jesus Christ, it won't work. It won't be what you long for it to be. Because to ignore the foundation stone is not, not only foolhardy, it's disastrous. So then Jesus makes this comment, whoever falls on that stone, the cornerstone, whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But 
on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And it's not as though the Lord is saying that I'm so ticked off of you guys that no matter what happens, you're going to lose now. And uh, some of you, I'm just going to grind you to powder. You know, that, that, that's not what this is about. It's about surrender or defiance. That's really the choice it comes down to. Listen, we are all, every one of us, are going to lose the battle with the stone. It kind of just depends on what your loss is going to look like, how you lose, what that's going to look like. Jesus said you can fall on the stone. Surrender. Surrender. I like that choice. He says in the process of falling on the stone, surrendering to the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, the vineyard's owner, surrendering to them. Something will get broken in me. Most likely my pride. Or selfishness. Or self-centeredness. But I'll come away broken. But I'll also come away standing on the rock. Which transforms my life. And yours. So falling on the rock is surrendering the pattern of pride and rebellion that has dominated my life and, and breaks that pattern that results in a resting on, on a solid foundation, the cornerstone. But there is another choice, isn't there? Defiance. Whomever it falls, uh, whomever, on whomever, excuse me, it falls, it will grind him to powder. And so you can choose door number two. I don't suggest it. But even, get this now. Grinding, now the wording here in the original, grinding to powder, it means that there's been, uh, you know, a, a Pressure applied, a, you know, a, 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 a grating, a, a grinding, a, you know, that results ultimately in particles so fine that they're like ch the, the chaff of wheat, that the wind blows them away. That doesn't happen in one. That's over time. And even now, Jesus is saying, our God is patient. He wants for you to turn towards him. Even in your defiance, he will still pursue you. Until if you are a if you continue to resist him. If you continue to resist him. It's, and I hope this isn't the case, but some of you might be saying, oh good, I have some time to resist him still. <laughs> if you continue to resist him, there will, dear one, there will come a day when there's nothing left. It all blows away. I say... Let's fall on the stone.
let's decide that, you know, whatever ways I, I or you have been insisting that I own this vineyard, I make the choices. I want what I want when I want it and how I want it. It might be time to give that up. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the the most obvious, which is turning your life over to Jesus Christ, becoming a Christ follower. That's, That's the most important thing and the most obvious uh, result of this story. It's what, point you, what it points you to. But there's more here than that. I've been walking with Jesus for most of my life. But uh, there's some stuff I need to bring to the stone and lay down.